Hi everyone, Elise here. With producer Nate Dufort. This week we want to do something different for you and introduce you to a show we think our unspookable listeners will enjoy. Of Faye and Fiends tells the story of Lizzie, a 10-year-old who returns to her ancestral home in Maine to make an amazing discovery. The woods behind the farmhouse contain a doorway to the mystical realm of fairy. But a dark storm looms over the horizon of Faye. Lizzie's great-uncle Carlo is a powerful warlock, intent on killing her and taking over the world. Written and produced by audio drama pioneer Fred Greenhalgh, Of Faye and Fiends is a fairy tale with teeth, a place where monsters sometimes eat children, but the courageous can fight back. New episodes released weekly. You can find the show at fayfiends.com or by searching Fay, F-A-E, and Fiends, F-I-E-N-D-S, wherever you get your podcasts. And now, on, on to, to the, the show. show. This story is a fairy tale, but not the syrupy sweet kind. It has teeth and parts of it are scary. Suggested listening age is seven and up. And if you're a grown-up still protecting a child within, this show is for you too. Dagaz Media presents Of Fae and Fiends, an original story for audio by Fred Greenhalgh. Episode 1, Tapes in the Attic. This show is dedicated to Nyana and Shandwin. May you never forget the road to Fae. And maybe put together a circle of rocks near the old quarry and light a candle with the hair of a horse that only ever walked on three legs. That sort of thing. Well, there were sightings, too. Odd creatures in the dark, mist that seemed to come alive. Chuckling voices, all that stuff. Most of it was people's overactive imaginations, but some of it? Well, some of it was real. Now, we was just boys back then, Carlo and I. And we were born six months apart to the day. Me in the height of summer and him in the height of winter. We were cousins, but we may as well have been twins. We looked so much alike. And we were that tied together. We ran amok together nearly every day. There were other kids in the village, but in those days there weren't too many cars, so the village felt far away. Carlo's place was only a little walk through the woods. Though we always came my way, and never the opposite. Carlo's family wasn't as well-to-do as ours. His daddy was a fisherman and a mean one at that. And his mom spent her days being quiet and letting him go do whatever he wanted to do. So just about every morning in summer, Carlo would come by. <laughs> We'd find him in the barn looking around, uh, poking into the root cellar, or even just sitting down at our dining room table. 
We never thought much of it. We loved Carlo. He was family. So it was on account of this that I never really noticed the gleam in his eyes. The way Carlo always seemed to be on the lookout for something just out of sight. How he seemed to think things that other people had ought to belong to himself. Carlo, like others, had heard the stories about the creatures who lived in the woods, but I guess he never had much luck tracking them down. That's why he needed me. He needed me to show him all the haunts in the forest and the ways of knowing my family always had. The things we did for good luck. The places we laid out treats for the fae folk. The special places in the woods where something just a little extraordinary might come to pass. On the evening of my tenth birthday, which just happened to be the full moon, Carlo and I took to exploring down by the Greenway Spring. Now, you probably know the Greenway Spring is just an empty pit now. The water drained out of it the year after this happened and it never came back. But that night, it was full. My grandpa told me, just like I'm telling you, about how on some special nights, that if you sat quietly at the spring's bank and let the water go flat, and the moon come up and grace its surface, that the water might fall out, and the doorway would open to the land of Fay. Creatures might come through then. Usually something trivial, like a shape-shifting squirrel or an enchanted rabbit. But maybe, every once in a blue moon, if you were lucky, a fairy would come. And if you asked in just the right way, they might deign to grant you a wish. Carlo knew this, I suppose, and he insisted he come along with me on the journey that night. I lay in bed, after Mama Ray sang me to sleep, or so she thought, when in fact I lay wide awake with anticipation till I heard a plank, and then another. Carlo was down below, throwing pebbles at my bedroom window. I snuck out the window into the landing that's above the summer kitchen, then a quick hop over to the maple tree and shimmy down. I was on the ground next to him, sneaking out to the wellspring by the light of the full moon. We made quick work of it, hardly speaking a word the whole time, and maybe if I had, I'd have had a better idea what Carlo was really thinking. We arrived at the well maybe, I'd guess, ten, eleven at night. We sat quietly for the longest time, staring into the rippling water and waiting for the moon to rise. I had a wind-up wristwatch, and I listened intently to the second hand. Tick, tick, tick. A minute would creep by, and then another. All the while, staring at the moon, waiting for... And then it happened. At the stroke of midnight, the rippling water went stock still and slowly. Ever so slowly, something came out. A fairy. And not just any fairy, but the queen of fairy herself... I don't know how I knew that. I just did. I knew it in my bones, as true as my own name, as soon as I laid eyes on her. Now, there was one rule, my granddaddy said, and that was to never move, lest you spook whatever came through. It was like meeting up with a wild animal. You didn't want to startle it, or it'd run away, or even attack you. But if it saw you, and acknowledged you, then you should go ahead and converse. But never make the first move, and never ever think about hurting the creature. There were powerful forces in fairy. Then with one curse, a creature might ruin you and all your descendants in a single breath. So you can imagine my horror when Carlo springs like a beast from his crouched position and muckles on to the queen of fairy like a front lineman breaking through and tackling the quarterback. 
I catch the merest glimpse of her wheelock eyes and the stare she gives me ripples down like lightning to the bottom of my spine. And then, splash. They're in the water, sinking so deep and fast that by the time my muscles work to stand, the surface of the water has already covered them both over and settled in like nothing ever happened. It was just a still night again. The warbling water, the ripples of the moon's reflection, glowing in there like the water trapped its soul. I ran like hell back to the farm and raised a ruckus. Pa came running back with me to the spring while Ma went raising a search party. We dragged up half the village that night with lanterns and flashlights searching the great woods far and wide. The search went on for seven days straight. We even made the state paper. But no one ever laid eyes on Carlo again. The ones who really knew, knew we were wasting our time to start. Carlo wasn't in our world anymore. He crossed over into Fay. No one's seen Carlo since that day. Except now I got a feeling in my bones that he's coming soon. It's coming up on 30 years to the day that that happened. And I got a feeling something. Lizzie, I told you not to go in the attic. There's loose floorboards in here. What's that you're playing with? Tapes, Mom. Tapes? It was Grandpa. Give me those. Grandpa was sick, Lizzie. That's how we ended up breaking his neck. He said there were fairies. Stop! Jeez, in this house for less than four hours and already talking about fairies. Go downstairs. Can I help clean up? Downstairs, Lizzie. I just don't know what he did. It's okay, Lizzie. Hi, Grandma. Mm. I was only looking at old stuff. I'll go talk to her. Is that okay? Mom says you have a bad head. I'll be fine. Gosh. You shouldn't yell at her, Cherie. Mom, what are you doing up here? Dr. Bronson said those stairs aren't safe. I am trying to calm down my only daughter. Uh, Calm me down? Oh, now that's rich. If you want me to calm down, how about you stick to your promises, Mom? She asked me about him. I couldn't lie. We talked about all this. I only agreed to come up here for you. Not to go prying the lids off old family secrets. It's been 30 years to the day, sweetie. Don't call me. And I think it's time we remember him. Try to fix what happened. Fix? What are you even talking about? Don't you get it? This is what I mean. Well, Cherie, I know it hurts. You always blamed yourself, but it wasn't your fault. Oh, and now you're my therapist. Is that how it is? We can make things right, Cherie. Hello? Oh, well, uh, hello there. You must be little Lizzie. Uh, hi. I'm your great aunt, Debbie. Your grandma told me all about you. Can I come in? Uh, how would you know we were here? Well, <laughs> many other cars with New York license plates show up in Spencer Village. Besides, it's the anniversary of a very big day. I had a feeling you and your mom might come visit. Oh, so can I come in? Uh, I don't know. My grandma and mom are upstairs. And it's just them I want to say hello to. Do you mind? We're all family after all. Uh, Okay. Ah, 
So this is the Greenway Farmhouse Kitchen. Ma always said how fanciful it was, how you all ate on the finest china plates and fine silver. <laughs> now I see you eat takeout Chinese with plastic forks. What? Hey, Nora! Nora Greenway! Your kissing cousin has come. We don't need you, Mom. We have each other. You are part of this, Cherie. Like it or not. I should have known. Every other promise you've made to me, you've broken. Why not this we one? We can make it right. I'm out of here, Mom. Oh, Lizzie! Lizzie! Oh. Lizzie, grab your things. We're leaving. What? Who the hell are you? Don't I look familiar? I'm your Aunt Debbie. Your dad and my brother were cousins. My... Carlo. The boy that went missing. That's right. Sixty years to the day since that happened, and thirty years since your dad had the same I do remember that. Thank you. What are you doing in my house? Your little Lizzie let me in. Lizzie? We're family, Cherie. Cherie, who's here? And there's your mom. I just mean to have a word with her. Yeah, have a word with... Debbie... Nora. Nora Greenway, are you up in that attic again? You know what I've told you about your bad head. Leave us alone. Get out of this house. Oh, oh. Oh. Mom! Oh. Oh, mom! Mom! Oh, oh. oh just, just, uh, I have to call 911. Oh. Um, oh, come on. Come on. No service? I've got the landline. We've had a terrible fall at the Greenway Farmhouse on the Simpson Falls Road. I don't know a Greenway place. Yes, it was Nora. I'll be there in ten minutes. Okay. They're on their way. They said not to move her. Okay, okay, Mom. Mom, please. I'm... Thank you, Debbie. Thank you. Don't think anything of it, Cherie. After all, we are family. Once upon a nearby time, there was a girl named Lizzie who lived in a place called New York City but came to Maine with her mom to mark an important anniversary. But things didn't go as they planned. Lizzie's grandma, Nora, got hurt and two men and a lady came in a flashing red ambulance to take Grandma away. Oh. Oh, is she going to be okay? Please move aside, ma'am. Is she going to be okay? You can follow the ambulance. Mike, she can ride with me. You sure? Would that work for you, ma'am? Oh, Lizzie, um, can I bring my daughter? Uh... Oh, she can stay with me. What? The hospital is a scary place for a little girl. Yeah, listen, your aunt's right. You can run around to the hospital later, right, Debs? Of course. Look, all right, we need to hurry. Doc Bronson's already on his way. Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay, Lizzie. Uh, Lizzie, you take care. Sure, Mom. Whatever you do, don't go exploring around this old house. It's dangerous. Okay, Mom, I promise. Uh, you still have your cell phone on you? Yes. Oh, shoot, that's not going to do any good, is it? There's no service around here. Um, uh, tell you what, I'll call the landline phone. Do you know what that is? Yes, Mom. <laughs> I love you. I love you, too. Oh. All right, we gotta go. All right. It's gonna be okay, Mom. Oh. Oh. 
Lizzie's mom told her not to go exploring. But that was impossible, right? How could a little girl from New York not go exploring all the gigantic rooms of that huge big house? Especially with her great Aunt Debbie egging her on. What's this room? Go see. <gasps> it's full of books. That's the Greenway family for you. So wealthy, they have a whole room with nothing but books in it. And a piano. Maybe not the piano, dear. I take lessons. That's a player piano. Look here. Neat. So many treasures they have. Those greenways. Why do you keep saying those? Aren't you family? A different line, sweetie. My family has a farmhouse on the other side of the wood. It's not like this one at all. Yeah? What makes it different? Our fields have never grown so rich as yours, for one. We've never had such fortune. Terrible things happen to us. Like what? Lizzie, how old are you? Ten. Ten. See, that's the age my brother went playing in the woods and never came back. Oh, was his name Carlo? It was. How do you know that? Wait, I'll guess. You found some tapes hiding in the old box attic. Yeah. Mm, no wonder your mom was in such a state. She never forgave herself for what happened to her what? dad, your granddad. She never talks about it. Guilt will do that to you, just like it did to her dad. My folks suspected he never forgave himself for what happened when he was a boy, how Carlo went missing. Do you think that? Oh, it was an accident, sweetie. Like how Grandma fell down the stairs? Exactly. Now, are you ready to go find the goat? Wait, what? Grandma has a goat? Oh, yes. And he is a most extraordinary goat. Why is that? Because he showed up when your mom was about your age. And he hasn't aged a day. <laughs> Silly. Goats don't live that long. Even I know that. Do you now? Let's show and tell you then. Are you coming? Mom said to stay near the telephone to let me know what happened to Grandma. We'll only be a minute, dear. It'll be over before you know it. Maybe Lizzie should have said no. But grown-ups have quite a lot of power over kids, and so instead of saying any of the thoughts that were on her mind, Lizzie just nodded and followed Aunt Debbie out of the room with all of the books, through the farmhouse kitchen, and out a back door into a narrow passageway filled with piles and piles of old stuff. Lizzie was full of all kinds of funny feelings, bad ones because of what happened to Grandma, but also curious ones because she was trying to understand what was going on. Aunt Debbie? Yes, dear? Where did the go come from? What kind of question is that? From a mommy and daddy goat, of course. But why would my mom never tell me about him if she had him her whole life? You're asking the wrong person, dear. But, I... but if I were to guess, it's because he showed up the day your granddad died. Wait, the goat had something to do with my granddad? You sure do ask a lot of questions, dear. How about you be a good girl and help me catch him? 
Then you'll have all the answers you'll ever need to know. The passage ends with a regular-sized door, an old one, that opens up into the goat barn. It's dark in there. The only light coming in from a window way up top, where the full moon is flooding in, catching on old farm tools and making shadows that look like monsters. Smells like hay and poop. Lizzie is about to say that, but then Aunt Debbie starts acting even weirder. First sign, Aunt Debbie grabs a shovel. I'll need one of these. Where's that goat? As I suspected, he broke right out of his pen. Good thing I locked the barn doors now, isn't it? Couldn't have gone too far. Hey! Hey, little goat! Goat! Come on. Come on, little buddy. I'm not here to hurt you. You'll hardly feel anything. Sign number two. Debbie's not holding a shovel the way you hold a shovel to dig things. She's holding it like a weapon, the sharp edge of the spade facing the ceiling. Lizzie, darling, make yourself useful. Grab that coffee can and fill it with grain. Uh, You want what's in here? Yes, that's the grain bin. Go on. Hey, goat! Hey, goaty goat goat! I've got a real authentic Greenway girl here for you. She's going to give you your supper. Sign number three, there's a look in Aunt Debbie's eyes. A bad look. Lizzie has seen that look before. It comes right before bad things happen. And that's when she hears it. Get out! Now, Aunt Debbie, all she hears is the brah of the goat. But little Lizzie, she hears something else. Oh, it's over there? Get out! What? Lizzie, what's wrong with you, girl? Get me out! But where? Where are you? Hey, Lizzie, he's talking to you? What's he saying? He wants out. We can help him with that, can't we? I I don't, I don't know. This is so confusing. Come on out, Goaty Goat. Lizzie and I would love to get you on your way, wouldn't we, dear? Goats don't talk. This one does. Come on, show your face, Calendrial. Time to get this show on the road. This is when Lizzie notices a glimmer out of the corner of the barn. A little bit of moonlight catching in the eye of a living creature. The goat. And then the strangest thing seems to happen. The goat winks at her. Like it's the most obvious thing. Like he isn't an animal at all, but a person. Like her. Aunt Debbie glances over, sees where Lizzie is staring. And then she rushes forward with the shovel. Hiding in the corner. Calendrial, you come out here, you rotten bugger! Lizzie raises her hand to her mouth, about to shriek to warn the goat about her crazy aunt. But no, the goat moves quickly. He jumps back on his hind legs and launches forward at Debbie. Ah! 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 Get back here! Lizzie, help me catch him! Lizzie wonders why the goat's not running away, but then remembers what Aunt Debbie said. The big front doors of the barn are closed, locked from the outside. The goat bashes as he might, but he can't get them open, and Aunt Debbie is rushing at him again. 
this ends tonight, Calendrial, like you always knew it would. Lizzie runs forward to the opposite side of the barn, not to the big sliding barn doors, but to the small doorway they use to come in from the farmhouse. This way! It seems crazy to Lizzie, this idea of talking to a goat, but she doesn't even stop to look back and see if he's following. She just shoves the door open and starts running. This way! Oh, coming! I see the door! Oh, thank goodness! She's only been through the house once, but the layout is easy enough to remember. The connecting hallway brings them from the barn to the kitchen. It's only a quick run from the kitchen to the front door. But then the phone rings, freezing Lizzie in her tracks. Wait! Oh no! Grandma! Come on! Come on! We need to go! I I can't! It's about Grandma! How long has the phone been ringing? Or how much longer will it ring? Lizzie knows they need to escape, but she can't not know. Mom? What took you so long, Lizzie? You nearly gave me a heart attack. I was out in the barn, Mom, with Aunt Debbie, looking for your goat. Like, goat? What goat? Lizzie, what Never you... mind. How's Grandma? Not good. Is she... She's alive, Lizzie. She's asleep. She's in a deep sleep. She's not talking. They don't know how long she'll be asleep like this. It's probably... You should get over here. Can you have your Aunt Debbie catch you? Nope, sorry, Mom. I gotta go now. I was trying to be nice, but not anymore. (laughs) Someone's dying tonight. Who'll be first? Aunt Debbie doesn't have a shovel anymore. She has a sickle. The old-fashioned curved blade they use to cut down wheat. The blade might be old, but it's still very sharp. Stop! Stop! Lizzie darts off, not toward the porch or back to the barn, but instead to the living room, deeper into the farmhouse. (laughs) Don't you be a nasty little girl. Come to your auntie! Even though this is her very first night in this house, she knows the map of it perfectly in her brain. It's like she's been here a thousand times, lived a thousand lives in it. And it's that sense, that vague, deeper thing inside of her, that guides her into the room with all the books again, into the player piano. Player piano, player piano. There's something about the player piano. Um, I'll be home for Christmas. The piano keys roll up into themselves, spin around and disappear, and leave behind a stairway. Whoa! Lizzie wastes no time rushing down them and out into the yard behind the farmhouse. Lizzie, are you hiding? Where's that girl? <sighs> Hello? Hello? Over here! Lizzie! Lizzie! Oh my god! Time to go! Quick! The goat bows slightly. And Lizzie, hardly realizing what she's doing, leaps upon his back. They're off. The goat starts running like all the hounds of hell are after him. A snaking path that goes out from behind the barn, crosses a rotting fence into a paddock, overgrown with grass so thick it pulls at Lizzie like fingers as they run through them. Strangely, she's not scared. 
Her fingers hold the goat's fur tight, and it's so warm. It gives her comfort. But they're not out of the woods yet. In fact, they're just entering the woods. Ah! Ah! Where are we going? Just about to figure that out. Thank you, Brother Squirrel. So things have moved around a bit since I was here last. The woods are dying and overgrown, but Squirrel assures me there's another path other than the wellspring, which, believe you me, we do not want to use unless we want your great uncle to catch us instantaneously. So I, uh, I, uh, hmm, I think it's over here. Oh, darn. Oh, uh. Lizzie, do you know which direction is north? You don't know which way is north? Your directions are always a little opposite from my world. It's confusing. Oh, hey, my mom left me my cell phone. It'll tell us. It's the... that way. Cool. That's a very strange-looking magic wand. It's not a magic wand. Okay. Whatever you say. Just let's keep going. Okay. <laughs> Lizzie and the goat ride further into the forest, their way lit by the full moon, the great big fat full moon of midsummer. Quick, Lizzie, this way! Quick, nine times round Glitterson, let's go! What? What? One! One! Two! Two! Oh! Coming! Three! Three! into words what happens next. It's like fireworks going off at the 4th of July and maybe flying all at the same time. But flying in a falling kind of way, tumbling as the world around Lizzie seems to find a new shape for itself. And suddenly... What's happening? Uh, uh, the tree roots aren't as strong as they're supposed to be. Uh, oh, they're bending. What does that mean? It means we're not going exactly where I wanted us to go. Uh, oh. oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that hurt. <coughs> So much damage in so few years. Well, there's good news and bad news. Yeah? Let's start with the good news. Yeah, good news. Uh, good news. Your aunt won't be following us with her sickle. <laughs> Great. And the bad news? Much of Faye has turned to Badlands in the years since I was here. When I left, this was still part of the Great Forest, and now... The great forest has receded to... I, I... I can't even see it from here. Badlands? What's a... 
Uh, kind of looks like New Mexico. New Mexico? A place I went with my mom once. Lots of deserts and plateaus and stuff. Uh-huh, yeah. Deserts is close enough. Magic is our water here, and as magic grows weaker, the forest recedes like water in a drought. But there are trees all around us. Yeah, that's the really bad news. These aren't living trees, Lizzie. Look at them. They're ghoul trees. Ghoul trees? That sounds bad. Yeah, it is. Ah! Something grabbed me! Yeah, they do that. If we're lucky, one thing won't have happened. What? They won't have attracted a troll. <laughs> Did I hear someone who wants to meet our troll? Welcome to the ghoul tree forest, little girl. Winner Shins will be most delighted to have you just after he finishes his goat appetizer. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Fae and Fiends was written, directed, and produced by Fred Greenhalge. Executive producer, William DeFries. Associate producer, Casey Turner. Script consultant, Kat Howard. Sensitivity consultant, Elena Fernandez-Collins. You heard Marie Lane as Lizzie. Shannon Campbell as the storyteller. Dustin Tucker as Kyle the Goat. Ella Moak as Garrett the Weasel. Casey Turner as the mom, Cherie. Kim Dakin as Grandma Nora. Michael Dix Thomas as Grandpa Jack. Peter Burkrod as Uncle Carlo. Karen Lund as Aunt Debbie, Michael Dow as Medic 1, Christine Marshall as Medic 2, Garrett's mum and Faye Althea, Chloe Koloski as Young Cherie, Lisa Boucher Hartman as Gooltree, Cockatrice and Water Elemental, Colby Elliott as Wittershins the Troll and Cecil the Gnome, Dalton S. Kimball and Gary Hauger as the Wargs and Goblin Soldiers, Gregory Hauger as Additional Goblins, Katie Gall as Wyvern Song, Maya Williams as Wind Elemental, Burke Brimmer as Dr. Bronson, Carrie Loomis as Nurse Carly, Mariah Bergeron as the Fae Queen, Jessica Rainfull as Fae Cassandra, Chantal King as Fae Lieutenant, William DeFries as Giant, Goblin Supplicant, and Goblin Elder, Dylan Chestnut as Goblin Kid, Rachel Flanger as the Brainworm, James Herrera as Goblin Wizard, Tony Riley as Goblin Warrior, Ozma Caston as Glendora, and additional voices by the cast. Recorded by Fred Greenhalge on location at the Dear Old Farm in Berwick, Maine, and at Mind's Eye Productions in South Portland, Maine, both of which are traditional territory of the Wabanaki Confederacy. Assistant Director, Casey Turner. Production Assistant, Jessica Rainville. Dialogue Editing by Grace Waldron. Sound Design by Rory O'Shea. Theme by Peter Van Riet. Original Score by Frank Schulmeyer. Original Cover Art by Bethany Greenhalge. Episode Art by Simon Adams. See this amazing art, learn more about the world of the Fae and Fiends, and see behind the scenes of the recording process at our website, feyfiends.com. That's Faye, F-A-E, Fiends, F-I-E-N-D-S, dot com, feyfiends.com. Special thanks to the cast and family, and to Neanna Greenhalge, who listened to countless early versions of this work and made it better by constantly asking questions. A Fae and Fiends, the Dagaz Media production, dagazmedia.com. <laughs>